Welcome to The Aggressive Life. If you don't leave today feeling inspired, you're, you haven't been paying attention. He's been born with a rare neuromuscular disease. Kevin Chandler has been dependent on others for all his physical needs, movement, food, hygiene for the vast majority of his life. He is stuck in a wheelchair. No one would have blamed Kevin for taking the easy road, choosing comfort, or dipping into self self-pity or getting bitter or just hunkering down in sorrow and all that stuff. But Kevin reached for risk and the unknown instead. He's been making aggressive moves as a guy who's been in a wheelchair his whole, his whole life. To quote the Beatles, he was able to do it all, quote, with a little help from his friends. Well, we should probably have that little ditty right now. Okay. I would just love for you to sing it, actually. Uh, what would you do if I sang <laughs> out of tune? And then it goes into, that's all I know. And then it's, I get by with a little help from my friends. Ooh, I get high, I get high with a little help from my friends. Which I always want to like, get high. He's saying like, are they saying like their friends always have the bag of weed? Is that what they're saying? I mean, it's the Beatles. I kind of feel like that's yeah, what they're saying. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Well, with a handful of good guys in tow, Kevin has to plan to visit Europe without his wheelchair. How would you do that? Well, his friends would carry him on their back across three countries for three weeks, and that's exactly what happened. Modifying an REI backpack, Kevin and his friends went on an epic adventure. They visited Paris. They attended a music festival on the Seine, Seine River, Seine, Seine, Seine? Seine, Seine River. Kevin, you're not allowed to talk yet. You're the guest. You're supposed to wait till I'm done with my monologue. Just shut your yapper. You're always trying to butt in. Hold on. We'll get to you. Oh, but thank you for that. The Seine River. They wandered through the English countryside, saw the sights of London. They jumped over to Ireland and even hiked a 600-foot summit to visit a monastic fortress on Skellig Michael. And the adventures didn't end there. They inspired people the world over. Kevin has spoken on his incredibly aggressive life on the TEDx stage at Google and as a guest of honor at numerous conferences, universities, and companies, he's gone on to found the We Carry Kevin nonprofit, which has developed its own custom backpack for carrying loved ones. He's delivered those backpacks all over the world. He's covered China, hiked the Great Wall. He's been featured in two documentaries, written a book about his adventures, gotten married, launched his own podcast, and he just keeps going. I'm tired reading about you, Kevin. Welcome to the Aggressive <laughs> Life, Kevin Chandler. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, man. <laughs> Good having you. Uh, do, do you do a lot of podcasts? Um, It depends on the season. Depends on the seasons. I feel like I do a handful back-to-back, -back and then there's a season of doing other things, getting out there and yeah. li living the life that we're talking about. Well, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is a story about a paralyzed guy who gets carried by his friends, they hack through a roof, they lower him down, uh, down through the roof, and Jesus sees him and, and heals him. And, and the verse there says, when Jesus saw their faith. And mm -hmm. that took me down a rabbit hole one day. I said, huh, so it wasn't the person's faith, it was the other person's faith, and it was those guys making aggressive move. And so what I found was, what I counted up in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the firsthand accounts of Jesus, what I found was that there was 41 miracles that were recorded. 34 of them were all with somebody taking initiative. They made the aggressive first step. Jesus mm. doesn't just kind of go wander through a hospital and go, oh, I'm just going to feel like I'm healing today. He waits to see he, who people who will take the first step. And even of the remaining seven, about five of them, Jesus asked them to do something first. They have to step forward or he tells another guy to go wash off the mud that Jesus put in his face down the pool of Siloam. And I just thought about that with you, how cool it is to have somebody who's still pushing forward and trying to enjoy life. Well done. Mm. Thanks. Thanks. So that passage actually is um pretty close one to my heart as well and comes to mind quite a bit. And um I not to I know we just started and so I'm not this is not a uh, jump on you, but I, I actually I wonder if when he says he saw their faith, if that includes the man or if it is just the friends. I actually don't know. Interesting. I've, I've I've been curious and um 
from my my own life experience of being a guy uh, lowered through a lot of roofs, you know, not, not literally, but um, sometimes maybe. Um, it, it takes uh, the friends saying, we have this idea, and the, the man saying, okay, or the man saying, I have this idea, and the friend saying, okay. I'm not, so I'm not really sure. I wonder, I, I, I go down that rabbit trail a lot of, what did that morning look like when they were getting ready to go see Jesus? What, what was that conversation like between all of them? Gosh, that's fascinating. That, that's exactly <laughs> why it's interesting talking about stories in the Bible with people who have other life experiences. I'm always thinking mm-hmm. about that story from the perspective of somebody who could carry somebody. I'm not thinking sure. about it from the perspective of getting physically carried. Yeah, they're right. It doesn't, it doesn't say that the, the paralyzed guy um, was objecting. It does say their sure. faith. So, of course, of course. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great insight. Potentially, yeah, yeah. So these friends that you have, how did this idea pop up to hike you all over, all over the world? Um, well, as is the case with a lot of things in our lives, I'm, I'm sure you can attest to this as well, as it started at home. I had a, a bunch of friends. We would get together every every Monday night for a potluck, and we would just you know do it at different people's houses. And most of those were not wheelchair accessible, so we would leave my chair downstairs or in the van or whatever, and they would carry me up the flight of stairs or three flights of stairs to, to join them and, and be part of what uh, our group was doing. And so from there some of the guys and I started talking and said, well, what, what could we, what else could we do without my wheelchair? And, uh, we decided, you know, we're guys, we grew up on Ninja Turtles and Batman. So we wanted to explore the sewers and sewers are not wheelchair accessible. So we came up with a very makeshift version of the backpack and, and had that adventure one night. And, um, in our, our hometown, just, uh, got into the sewers and um, had a lot of fun there. And so we said, well, we survived that. What else can we do? And, and about a year later, we went to Europe. What kind of humility did that take for you to allow someone to carry you around? I know you're a man, but mm-hmm. most men just don't want someone to do something for them. That Was that, was that hard for you when they offered the first time to carry you around? Um. You know, when we went to Europe and when we went into the sewers, you're just kind of in the the hype of the moment. You don't really think about, oh, I'm leaving my wheelchair behind or, oh, this might be dangerous. Or you're just kind of, you're with the guys and you're you're doing this thing. Um, I didn't really think about what I was giving up or or leaving behind, but um, there is a, a sense of independence that gets left behind in that case. Um, but I also am, am one to believe that uh, independence is should not be very high on our priority. Um, that community and, and caring for one another and trusting one another is, uh, really leads to deeper relationship and growth within ourselves and, and ultimately a closer walk with the Lord because of what it points us to, which is him and our, our ultimate need for him. So I, I would also add to that, that I've, I'm 37 now and I've, I've spent my whole life. There's not a day that's gone by that I haven't needed help from someone. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, you know, while the backpack was a more extreme ask, a more extreme kind of situation, uh, you know, you're up on someone's shoulders, you're higher than you've ever been before. You, you have no, control of where you're going or what you're doing. Um, and so it's really a, a letting go of a lot. Um, but I also, you know, like I said, I've spent every day of my life saying, well, I need to use the restroom. I guess I'm going to ask this guy to pick me up and hope that he gets me from point A to point B and, and back. And so there's, it's a, a muscle building that's yeah. happened all, all throughout my life. It's interesting that this is one of those areas where the 
the physical world does not mirror the spiritual world because in the physical world, we're born entirely dependent. And as mm. we mature, we come more, become more independent, right? Mm. In the spiritual world, as we mature, we become dependent. You know, when, mm -hmm. we're, when we're in and of our own self, we're all about ourselves, all about being independent. And as we mature and give our lives to deeper levels with God, we have to become more dependent. And if we're not becoming more dependent, then we're not walking by faith and doing things that are beyond our capacity. Very few people do things that are beyond their capacity because they don't want to live a life of faith, which is when the X factor of God comes in. So I'm, I'm really fascinated that your, uh, your spiritual trajectory, you're one of the very few people who your spiritual maturity and your physical maturity are in line because you have to be dependent. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I was reading recently and, um, I think it was John 6, um, Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him that he sent, that you believe in Jesus. And I think you're right. It's as we grow um, spiritually, as we mature in our walk with the Lord, that looks more and more like just trusting him, just believing him. In some ways, it gets more simple. Because it's just that, that's our, our focus. And in some ways, um, that as maturity is, it, it becomes more complex because of the doors that it opens up for us in walking with him, the opportunities. Tell me about your faith. When did your faith start getting real and vibrant for you? Hmm. Yeah, so when I was six years old, um, I, I grew up in the church and, um, you know, our family really involved. And, and when I was about six years old, I, I was having trouble sleeping because I couldn't wrap my head around eternity. Hmm. <laughs> As if that's something that you can ever wrap your head around no matter what age you are. But, yeah. but it was really bothering me of like, wait, so I, I live forever, but what are you going to do the whole time? And, what is time in that case? And it was just, I was having trouble sleeping. And, and my dad, who knows me better than anyone, sat me down on his bed and, and said, like, rather than introducing me or, or explaining it all to me, he, he decided he would introduce me to the person I could spend eternity with. And so he presented it to me. He introduced me to Jesus and said, this is who you can be with forever. And, uh, and so that's when it started for me, and, and it's been, you know, just a journey ever since. And in my, in my experience, um, there have been hard things, and there have been really fun and good things. And, and yet, through all of that, the constant is Jesus. As relationships change, as my uh, physicality changes, because my disease is progressive, mm. um, as I, as I, you know, I've moved, I've moved states and moved cities and changed roommates and, you know, all of that. Now I'm married, so that's not changing. But, um, but as life changes, Jesus has always been right there with me. And so I've gotten to walk with him as we were talking about. Tell me about your disease being progressive. In what ways? What's that? What's the game plan? So spinal muscular atrophy, the, um, kind of the way I like to explain it is that there's kind of a glitch between the brain and the spinal cord. So the message to my muscles, like my arms and legs and neck, um, it doesn't really get there right. And so the muscles atrophy over time. And um, so it's, it's not the disease itself. It's not necessarily fatal or anything, but I do get weaker over time. And, um, there's there's seasons where it kind of plateaus, but it's always kind of a mm. uh, a downward slope. And so, um, yeah, so that I I remember, especially in like high school and college, and those times when your your body is growing, the muscles were, were were atrophying faster. So I remember realizing that I needed to be able to lay back and rest during you know sometime in the day, or else my neck would 
devout or I, uh, in college, I remember when I was like, Oh, I can't really hold a pencil the same way I used to. Or, um, I broke my arm in seventh grade. And, and so that, uh, my, my right arm, uh, atrophied a lot faster than the rest of me. So I can't really use that much. And so it's just kind of a, I, I grew up in a house where, cause my sister has the same disease. Mm. And so, um, we grew up in a house where you wake up in the morning and you say, well, what do I want to do? And what can I do today? Well, what's my body going to let me do? And maybe we push that envelope a little bit and see how much life we can live. How do you deal with bitterness and anger? I, I assume you have that, or at least you have had it towards God. I've had, it's an interesting question because I, I've kind of asked myself the same thing because I've, I've had moments of frustration, but I, I've really never had a, a bitterness or anger towards God. I've, I've been frustrated with my situation. I've, um, I remember, well, I still experience like being married. I would love to, you know, my wife is out getting an oil change right now. I'd love to be the one running that errand for her, you know, yeah. or we, we had some friends come and rake our leaves last week. I would love to be able to be out there doing that with them. That Those are the sort of things that um, upset me or, or make me uh, bitter about my situation. But I've never... I've never really pointed it back at, at God. Um, and I think, I wonder if that comes from becoming a believer at such a young age and having such clear examples through my life of him being there through all of that. Um, hmm. And so I, I, you know, how do you, how do you blame the one that is, the yeah. only reason you're still here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes a lot of sense, but there's a lot of people who still right. blame him. Who's still here. There's, there's just yeah. so many people who are deconstructing and I'm not talking about the kind of healthy deconstructing where we'll deconstruct yeah. our faith because we've been told that it's our performance that get God gets God to love us. Great. Let's deconstruct that or deconstructing, you know, that women are, aren't as important as men in the church. Great. Let's, let's deconstruct that. There's a lot sure. of things we can deconstruct, right? But the deconstruction that, uh, really is hot on social media is when somebody just basically leaves the faith. And one of the things yeah. I've seen with people who have left the faith, the one common characteristic is they don't like their life mm. and they blame God. And, I've been meditating a lot on Second Timothy chapter four, verse five. It says, "Be sober-minded," and then it says, "Endure suffering." Mm -hmm. Endure suffering. Faithful people endure suffering. Unfaithful people use suffering, which is almost always never a thimbleful of the kind of suffering that 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 you're going through, Kevin. Unfaithful people use their suffering as a reason to just get out because they thought that the role of God was to make their life happy. And it's not, yeah. you know, our, our yeah. life is to, is to push for the purpose of God, whatever hand we're dealt. And I see you doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm inspired, man. I am. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Yeah. I, all I can say is I, I agree. And, and I, I don't know why, but there, there's been a measure of grace in, in that, um, that the Lord's given me to, yeah. to not turn it back on him. So Amen. thankful for that. But, how much do you weigh, Kevin? <laughs> um, so I, I recently got weighed, and I'm, I'm about 80 pounds. Okay. 80 pounds. I'm looking at the cover of your book, We Carry Kevin. I'm seeing one of your buddies carrying you around, and I'm going, man, 80 pounds. I just, I just uh, sh my son and I shot an elk uh, just last week, and we had to pack out this pack, and uh, we, were, we were both carrying at least 80 pounds. And I'll tell you what. Yeah. That is not, that is not an easy and fun experience. So you not only got some friends who are in shape, you got some friends who really love you. And I'm curious, in the midst of the uh, national epidemic of male loneliness, how mm. did you get so many good friends? 
I, you know, I think that's another aspect of just God being really gracious and merciful to me. Um, I am, um, this is actually, I'm, I'm currently writing a book with a friend on, on this topic of um, inviting people into your life and, and inviting people to step with you into your need, what we call the hospitality of need, um, that there is some element of hospitality that we can find within our need um, to say, hey, I not just asking for help, but recognizing that need is a space in which you and I can step together into. And um, uh, Henry Nowen would say, hospitality creates a space in which one can find their soul, uh, in which the guest can find their soul. And so realizing that you and I can step into my need together and and together find something deeper. We can find deeper fellowship and, and healing. And um, it's a, a lifestyle that I've lived for a long time, which is saying, I, you know, hey, I I have these needs. I, I need to use the restroom or get a shower or, you know, eat. <laughs> and um, And how about you come alongside me and help me make that happen? Because, you know, I, I agree there's... Um, this issue of, of men uh, isolating. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious if you've seen this as well as if you invite men into a project, then there's, there's action. There's, um, and there, there's connection, you know, men connect shoulder to shoulder, whereas women often it's face to face. And, um, and so what better shoulder to shoulder project than, getting me up in the morning so that I can yeah. have it <laughs> so that I can live the day. And, um, and so that's, that's what I'm finding. And, and that's where kind of where these guys came from is this became a, a project, not just for them to serve me, but Hey, we want to have this adventure together. It's an impossible adventure. And so let's see if we can figure it out. This is a new and deep wrinkle to something that we've been talking about here in the aggressive life related to male friendships. This is, first of all, this isn't a male podcast, but uh, <laughs> we get into it. We get into a bit. So we got two men here. So we may as well just talk man talk for a moment. Might as well. We've, we've talked about uh, a lot about how male friendship happens when you're doing something together. Women connect with mm -hmm. people, men connect with things. And when you're mm -hmm. connecting with things, you connect with the people who are around those things that you like, your, your hobbies. But the thing I hadn't mm -hmm. thought about till just now, what, as you mentioned, was, hmm, this is probably one of those ways that relational maturity mirrors spiritual maturity. Because to have great friends, you have to become dependent on people. When we are always independent, we have no needs, and all of our conversations with our friends about how good our life is going and how this is okay, instead of saying, I'm struggling in this area, can you help in this area, we're not going to develop friendships. Um, when you serve somebody, whether it's you know carrying somebody around in a backpack or it's helping them fix a toilet that they don't know how to do, and they are, yeah. they are dependent enough and vulnerable and humble enough to say, hey, man, I need some help here. I can't do this. This is where mm -hmm. friendship grows. And I, I just wonder, with all of our modern conveniences, which I'm for, things like Uber, you know, you don't, mm -hmm. need, you don't need to ask a friend to drive you to the airport anymore. You just yeah. get Uber. Or if you, if you had a drink too many and you shouldn't be driving— you can't ask a friend to drive you or call them up out of humility. You just get Uber. And, and I'm, again, I'm pro Uber all the way, but mm. I hadn't thought until you just said it just now that probably a problem with male loneliness is we're holding on too much to our independence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, do you see independence in the Bible anywhere? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, 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 the the further in I, I get to this idea and, and and looking at my own life and looking at scripture and, and the life of Christ, I I feel like independence might just be a, a lie from Satan that we have, you know, swallowed whole. Yeah. And so I, I think it's it's something that we can push back on. Right. And we can push back on it by inviting people into our needs. Yeah, there's a difference between uh, 
independence and being alone. So Jesus, when he was being tempted for 40 days, he Mm -hmm. was alone. He didn't Mm -hmm. feel God at all. It says at the end of those 40 days, it says, then the angels came and ministered to him. So he wasn't having any divine activity. He wasn't feeling any closest with God. He was alone. But that wasn't the same as him making the choice that he is going to be independent of his father and the angels. I think that's what we're doing. Maybe not intentionally, but at, at least accidentally. We're making choices to not need people and not enable people to step into our lives. And therefore we're lonely and therefore we don't have friends and therefore our life expectancy is going down. And therefore we're not smiling as much as we should. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, I mean, you just said it. it's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And I would think that like, if I was you putting my, putting my, myself in your position, uh, I, I'm pretty confident I would be much more bitter than you are. I'm pretty confident I'd be doing much more woe is me than you are. And I'm pretty confident that I would bristle at somebody else carrying me around. But, Mm. but if I was your friend, I would love the opportunity to carry you around. Yeah. You know, if I was your friend, I would love, I would love not just the opportunity, but the challenge, the male bonding. I mean, that, that's. That would be great. And I, we always think we're putting the other person out when really the other person probably would enjoy the opportunity to serve us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, an example that I can give, which by the way, we can do that sometime if you want. So yeah. We're, we're not too far from each other. So. Well, I've, um, I've carried around dead meat. I'd love to carry around a live person. That'd be fine. <laughs> Thank you for not saying live meat. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a bit sluggish, not confident I was getting all the nutrients that I felt that I needed. And I thought maybe this is an easy solution. So I drink AG1 in the morning. I love doing the morning. I do it on an empty stomach. It forces me to get 12 ounces of water into my system. I love doing something proactive and aggressive to make me feel better and at least give me peace of mind. AG1 is designed with this kind of ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. Each scoop has 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash aggressive life. That's drinkag1.com slash aggressive life to take control of your health. Check it out. I know what you need on your plates this holiday season because I've had it on mine recently. Flying K Ranch Beef. Oh, my freaking goodness. Holy shnikes. There's benefits to having a podcast that's growing. One of them is the people send you free stuff hoping you'll like it and then talk about it. That's what happened with Flying K Ranch Beef. They sent me a smorgasbord of steaks. They are mouth-watering. The burgers are incredible. And the roasts make family dinner a breeze. They're located in Findlay, Ohio. uh, And they have no hormones. Let me say that again. Flying K Ranch has no hormones or antibiotics. So it's basically... Like when I go elk hunting or deer hunting or something like that. It's pure, pure meat. They raise their cattle on pastures just the way cattle like it. Flying K Ranch is a family business partnering with Ohio State Nutrition Program, Beef Quality Assurance, and Certified Angus Beef National, ensuring happy results for both cattle and people. That's a lot of words just to say this. The beef is amazing. Order it now. Get it on your table over the holidays, and you will not be disappointed because I have not. Find out more and place your orders at flyingkranchangus.com. That's flyingkranchangus.com. And now I'm hungry. Um, but, but an example I would give is like the guy that, came and got me up this morning. Um, he's uh, a dad, a husband. He 
uh, is the executive director for a, a big nonprofit here and it's involved in, in the city. And so he's always out meeting people and, and he's just always on the move, really involved in, in um, his church and, and the community and uh, just never has a, a chance to slow down. But every Tuesday, it is Tuesday, right? Yeah, every Tuesday, he comes in at 7.30, 8 in the morning and gets me up, gets me ready for the day. And he's expressed to me, he said, you know, this is an hour, hour and a half each week that I get to slow down and my, my world gets quiet. Mm. Because when you're caring for someone at this level physically, you you can't have distractions. You can't your phone can't be going off. You can't be also having this conversation over here. That you are zeroed in on this one thing and um and it's just him and me going between my my bedroom and bathroom, just getting ready for the day. And um so the world becomes small and quiet and slow for for a little bit of time. And so what I get to give him in that is rest, you know, Mm. and sure, physically he may be doing something, but, um, but it gives him this, this moment to, to breathe. And, um, other guys have expressed similar things and, um, having a rhythm, you know, or having a, a quiet moment in their week. And, um, it's, and, and another friend said, well, this is my, uh, he, he told me, he said, Kevin, this is your, predictable pattern that if we uh, don't see each other the rest of the week, if we forget to text each other and check in or, you know, we just have stuff going on, I know I'm going to see you on this day. And so um, kind of a standing appointment, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as a result, the friendship grows and I see that I get to give them that time and that space. And um, also, what else do I have to focus on in that time? So I get to uh, give them all of my attention as well. And so um, yeah, I, I have a, I have a part to play in that too, but it's a, it's a gift as well going that way. How many dudes do you have in your life who are taking regular shifts to serve you? Yeah. So right now, cause it, it fluctuates, you know, people get different jobs or move and, and different things. Um, let me think I've got, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got uh, seven guys regularly, and then a handful of guys that I could I could reach out to if I needed to. And then my wife also um, kind of fills in the gaps there as well. Uh, it's really great because she can do everything, but when we got married, we realized oh, I, I need to keep inviting these guys in. This is a gift for them as much as for me, and it, it affords her some some rest as well. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a good good deal. Kevin, <laughs> you're you a rich man to have that many deep abiding friendships. There's a lot of mm-hmm. guys who would give up a lot of the of what they have to be able to have that. Well done, man. You've mm-hmm. got, you got the friendship you, gene. You're, you're killing it in that area. Well done. <laughs> So, you, I'm thankful for it. Well, let's go to Europe. What was your what were your highlights of Europe when they're, when you're backpacking over there? What, what what do you think of regularly? Yeah, I we we had so many high adventures. I mean, you, know, you mentioned earlier we went to a, a music festival. We were also there in Paris during uh, summer solstice, which the city just becomes a big dance party. Um, so that was pretty fun and. Uh, we hiked Skellig Michael. That was pretty epic. But I think the thing that I think back on most, and I I just love to remember, is we the the quiet moments. Kind of going back to that those those downtimes when we have a you know we've accomplished this thing, and now we get to kind of sit in it. And um, one one memory specifically was going from England to. Ireland. We stopped in Wales for a night, and uh, just our our whole crew of guys. Um, there were seven of us: um, two camera guys, four guys taking care of me, and then myself. We just kind of took the night off, although they still had to carry me. We got some food, and then walked down to the docks 
um, in Wales in, in the middle of the night and just enjoyed enjoyed the quiet and enjoyed being together. Um, uh, we call them the unfilmable moments, not because they're they're bad or inappropriate, but because they're just personal. And so we um, that's something that I I love thinking back on. Um, another one that I think is is notable uh, was one day we took a hike through the English countryside. We thought it was going to be about a mile, turned into six miles. And uh, at one point in that walk, my friend Tom uh, took me off his back and set me on the hillside, and they all left. And uh, and they, he did he did this unprompted by me. I, I didn't even know what was going on. Um, I was like, wait, where are you going? And he, he said, well, Kevin, this is what you always wanted. And he was hearkening back to a conversation we had had three or four months before when um, I, I had said, if I was able-bodied, I would go out in the middle of nowhere and just stand and enjoy um, the ground below me, the sky above, and me and God in the middle. Wow. And, uh, and so he remembered that. And I, I had forgotten that I'd said that, but he remembered it and, um, mm. and made that happen. And he didn't even wake up that morning and say, I'm going to find this spot. He just, we were walking and he came to a spot and said, this will do, this is it. Let's, wow. let's make this happen. And so I, the picture of friendship that that, that paints wow. and reminds me of on a regular basis is, um, a really beautiful thing. Wow. Jeez. That's that's deep. That's rich. That's fantastic. You you mentioned your book. I'll just read it. It's a great quote. This is adventure, I told myself. Danger, discomfort, and chance. I think a lot of people say we want adventure, but you said you want danger? Oh, no, I don't want danger. We say we want adventure, but you want discomfort? No, I, I don't know what to go with. We say we want adventure, but well, you want like uncertain ending, chance? No, no. <laughs> Taking your five-star your five star cruise experience to a part of the ocean you've not been before is not an adventure. <laughs> you know, but but yeah. you're you're doing you've you've done this. Just talk more about adventure. And um, give us some encouragement on that. Mm. Well, I don't know if this is encouraging or not, but I broke my nose on the trip. So okay. <laughs> there was that. Um, and uh, uh, what crappy that, friend? What crappy friend dropped you? Who who are they? <laughs> who, who can't carry their own weight? No, we we hit the brakes uh, suddenly on the highway, and I I went flying forward into the seat in front of me. So oh gosh, it was a it's kind of a mess, but. Um, but even that, the the pain of that still enriched the experience because it became there was a there was a little bit more of a struggle, you know, mm. and that and that just um, innately brings about a little more of a payoff. Yes, um, because we could have decided it's time to go home, you know, and we said no, we're we're going to keep going. Uh, I remember in that moment because we pulled off and, and got me some ice and everything and. Um, got me cleaned up and I remember having this conversation with myself and, and with the Lord of, of saying like God I, I did this because I wanted to prove that it could be done to a world that told me to stay home and be safe uh. and and so I wanted to do this and prove that it, it could happen and then he reminded me or maybe pointed out for the first time well it can be done. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy or safe, but it can be done. And so maybe this actually tells us the story and gives the message even stronger that there are going to be hiccups. You are going to break your nose. You are going to have hard things, but um, that doesn't mean that it's over, you know? Um, and and I said, I remember saying, I, I just want someone in my corner like, God, can you please just be in my corner right now? Because I feel really alone. And he said, open your eyes and look around you. And I had six guys squatting on the ground all around me. And um, he said, you got, you got all these guys in your corner. It's all right. And, and it's because of that 
that I could have the adventure. Um, and, and the adventure and adventures can look different based on what someone's capacity is and, and people's capacity grows and changes over time. But I think adventure, so much of adventure involves trust and willingness to, to try something, willingness to say yes. And, um, being okay with it, not looking like you think it's going to be, and um, and doing it with people who can, whom you can carry and can also carry you in the process. The embracing of uncertainty and discomfort, let alone danger, is not something mm. a lot of people want to do, and and maybe that's part of the reason why the cause of Christ is not going forward. Because Jesus has given us an adventure, tells us to go into all the world. And that meant being dangerous, uncomfortable, opening ourselves up to, to the X factor of things you can't control. And, and I just don't think most of us want that. We want everything in an Excel spreadsheet that I understand. We want all of our comforts that are digitally accessible and automatic inside of our house. We want to do things that we've always done and not learn new skills. And I think that's why Jesus' call is not being accomplished and also why so many of us are dying inside. Mm. So thank you yeah. for thank you for charting a new course and, and pushing us. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, Jesus called, he said he came to give us life that we may live it abundantly. And so um, I think the greatest adventure that we can have in life is, is to love one another yeah. and to do that courageously and creatively. Yes. All right, Kevin, time for the lightning round. This is when I give you a sentence and you have to answer it like a bolt of lightning, like like real fast, one or two sentences. Are you up for the challenge of the lightning round, Kevin? Kevin, my man, are you up for it? Let's go. All right, here we go. If you could visit anywhere in the world or anywhere in the world again, where would you go? Ireland. Oh, let's stop right there for a moment. Okay, I'm surprised by that. I know. Okay, now Wait, I, I thought this was lightning. You around. did. You 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 passed. You gave it immediately. You did perfect. But then I get to, I reserve the right to have follow up questions. What about Ireland? Oh, okay. that's I, I, fair. What about Ireland? Because that's one place I haven't been, and, and I wouldn't say is even on my list. Why Ireland? Mm. So I I have some family heritage there. Um, goes back several generations, and so I think that there is a uh, heart tie to it in that sense. Um, I've been twice, one on the trip with the backpack, and then I went back for the, the TEDx talk, and so I had my, my wheelchair that time. And um, I don't know, it, it's a really beautiful place and um, full of mystery and fantasy and, and wonder, um, and yet there's also uh, a great need for Jesus, which that, that can be said of anywhere in the world. But um, I, I think just the the balance of those two, <laughs> for me, um, really hits home. And so uh, I, I, I feel at home there. Maybe that's a, a good way to put it. Okay, back to our lightning round. Here we go. All right, all right. Biggest aggressive move that you've made recently? Can you clarify recently? Uh, the first one that comes to your mind. Um, well, I mean, three years ago, I, well, four years ago, I asked KD to marry me. I think that's the, besides, <laughs> besides becoming a Christian, that that's the most aggressive thing I've, most adventurous thing I've ever done. So absolutely. <laughs> is. With, I don't know if that's recent enough. But. No, that's recent enough. Well, and, and that's, um, you know, young, young males are not, having the self-confidence to make the aggressive move of asking someone to marry them, let alone even just go out on a date. So yeah, that's mm, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Great job. Uh, next one. Why should I take risks? Cause you don't know what's going to happen. And that's a good thing <laughs> because there's, there are doors that the Lord wants you to go through and you don't get to see the other side of them until you're through them. The key to becoming more resilient. Baby steps. What's next for Kevin? So December 1st, uh, we have a 
children's picture book version of the book that you're holding. Oh, cool. Memoir, uh, coming out. And so, um, we're excited about it. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, we'll be doing a tour with that next year as well. So I guess that's on the horizon too. So Kevin, you've, you've got a nonprofit with all of your learnings and trying to help other people. Tell us about that. When we went to Europe, um, we did a fundraiser to do that because we were all starving musicians and school teachers and uh, writers and stuff. And so that fundraiser caught the attention globally of, of people everywhere. And uh, from that, both before, during, and after the trip, we started hearing from hundreds of families from all over the world. And they asked uh, two main questions. Where did you get this backpack? And where did you get these friends? And so uh, we, when we got back from Europe, we started the nonprofit called We Carry Kevin. And, um, and we started it to answer those two questions. Uh, and so it's kind of fun. We actually uh, delivered our 1,000th backpack just a, a week ago to a family in Iowa. And we are currently, as of this interview, we are in uh, 44 countries. And it's all been word of mouth. And we worked with a company called Deuter and made kind of a factory version of the backpack that we made in my my parents' uh, kitchen, <laughs> and um, and and started distributing that around the world. That that kind of takes care of that first question of where'd you get this backpack? We can say, oh, we have one. Here you go. Oh, that's and, good. Um, and and we we sell it for families that just want to buy it outright. But then we also um, for families that can't afford it on our website, we have a a platform uh, that we just call the causes page. And um, so, if for example, if you wanted a backpack, um, we would set up a, a profile for you, and it, it's a crowdfunding platform, and um, it gives you an opportunity uh, and a lot. It actually does a lot of things. It gives you voice, gives you an opportunity to invite people to um, contribute and, and be a part of this kind of fun need that you have. And it's a fun ask, you know, rather than can you take me to the doctor or can you help me with the, the restroom? It's, hey, can you help me raise money to get a backpack to go hiking with my family mm-hmm. um, or, or go hunting with my dad or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and then also, uh, if someone contributes to that profile, then they, they get to stay in touch uh, with that family. And so um, that, uh, our, our hope with that is that it's answering the second question of um, building community around you and saying, well, here's, here's a starter. Here's how you can maybe make some friends and invite them into your need and, um, and, and start that conversation um, and then the other aspect of that is any family that gets a backpack, we stay in touch with uh, if they would like to. And so that answers that second question as well as saying, well, I don't, I don't have a five-step program on how to make friends, but we can be your friend. Let's start there. Yeah, and, um, right. And so, so through that, just sharing the hope of, of Jesus and, um, and showing the love of Jesus and, and hopefully bringing more people around them as well through the process. So that that's what we do. And um, if people want to check it out, sweetcarrykevin.org. Boy, that's another interesting, interesting build to that. There's, there's probably a bunch of fitness geeks, adventure geeks, that if they had the opportunity to carry somebody to see things, they might yeah. sign up for it. I wonder how many people don't have those kind of friends who would – make the humble move and get on somebody's back. That'd be an interesting twist. Have you thought about that? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's maybe like an, the next um, iteration, the next yes. kind of phase of what we do. And um, yeah, maybe we can talk more about that and yeah. put something together. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right, Kevin, this has been fantastic. Uh, just give us one more time. If someone wants to follow up with you, find out about your nonprofit, just go ahead and give us a, an easy advertisement. Yeah, if you want to join the adventure of what we're doing at We Carry Kevin, check out WeCarryKevin.org. We Carry Kevin, K-E-V-A-N. 
K-E-V-A-N. Kevin, I'm inspired by you. You're, you're a man who is uh, an adventurous man and a very, very wise and deep man. So thank you for pouring into all of us today, especially myself. I'm thankful for you thank and you. Uh, would love to meet you face-to-face sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks so much. All right, folks. Hey, look. We've learned a lot from Kevin here. Here's one thing you've learned. Here's one thing you've learned. Stop bitching and moaning about your problems. My gosh, stop, stop. There's probably like hardly anybody who has the kind of problems that Kevin has. And yet Kevin has smiled more than most of us do an entire week over the course of an hour. Stop it. Stop. Just got to get a little more hearty. Second thing is what limitations do you and I have on ourselves? How many people think that they can't get to Europe? Oh, I can't do it. I can't afford it. I can't afford the time off. If Kevin can figure this out, you can figure it out if that's something you want. I think we take on too many self-prescribed limitations on ourselves. It's called the aggressive life because you need to see things that need to happen and take them. Stop making excuses and giving too much homage to the barriers that are there. They're there. They're real. And also, you're a creative agent who you can figure things out. So I hope you've been inspired by Kevin. I have. Kevin, thanks for being a new friend. I appreciate you. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Thanks for joining us on this journey toward aggressive living. Find more resources, articles, past episodes, and live events over at bryantome.com my new books, a repackaged edition of The Five Marks of a Man and a brand new Five Marks of a Man tactical guide are open right now on Amazon. If you haven't yet, leave this podcast a rating and review. It really helps get the show in front of new listeners. And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.